Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. The conference is now in silent mode. host has not yet arrived. You will hear music until the host arrives.
Talk Recorded live. I know one thing that's reported that is working is getting into a body of water that's outside. It really makes you feel better. Outside? What are you going to do? Get in a big metal tub? <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to do that, but if you're well, near get the an ocean. old bathtub, I guess, to put on the patio. Fill yeah. it up with what? Rainwater? I don't know that it matters. I mean, I really wouldn't want to be in the chlorine and all that if I don't have to. I never go in chlorine, but the ocean is nearby. And it's probably starting to get a little chilly, though. Yeah, it is a little bit. But it's really, really helpful if you just get where the water just comes up on you and sit down or lay down and stay there for a half hour. Whenever we go do that, we always feel better. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's just doing cold. The sunlight didn't get very warm. No, it's rained so much in Florida, too. Like every day, all summer. Well, ocean is fantastic. Uh, I'm about a half a mile from it now. But on good days, the wind's blowing that direction. Like today, it's east. I lost my car. I don't have a car anymore. Um, if you go to the ocean, you stand on the edge of the water. There's so much oxygen that I can feel. The body gets better. Uh, yeah. I can walk on my knees and stop hurting because I get enough oxygen. So the ocean water really is quite amazing. It is. You, you definitely feel it. Hi. Hi. Hi, go ahead. How can we stop the scalar? That's all. I've been asking that question so much. They even have it coming up through the floor and it makes the apartment hot. Besides the heat that's coming in, you know, Recorded live. However, is to throw us out of whack because we're exactly. supposed to be synced up actually with the Earth's mm-hmm. electromagnetic field. And see, 
everything is cyclical. There's, there's, Christians don't understand. That makes sense. They don't understand that, no. And we're synced up. I don't know how much you know about biorhythms, but we have biorhythms. Some people say it's theoretical, but uh, it throws us out of whack on a day-to-day basis. Well, it messes up your polarity. Well, let me ask you a quick question. When do you think a day begins? I don't a think... Day... See, that's another deception. The day for me began, has always began since I was a kid when the sun starts coming up. That's when the day starts. This, this 12 o'clock at midnight stuff is for the birds, man. That's another... Uh, uh, let me say something about that. Um, that comes from the satanic mind. Mm-hmm. Sure does. Fool the common man who never does any critical thinking that's significant or any research. And it's satanic, but mm-hmm. um, that is well, also listen. one to call blind because they're also telling you, this is, the, this is a related subject, that that is the witching hour. And that's false, too, because um, <laughs> we know for a fact we can actually prove today because we can um, keep statistical knowledge better because we have computers and stuff like that, that believe it or not, there's actually um, more demonic activity in the 3 a.m. hour, which is precisely 12 hours opposite of when Christ was crucified, according to Scripture. And Satanism all has to do with opposites. And it's interesting uh-huh. how these demons, you see, the demons are paying attention to the numbers, White Raven. They sure are. That's the recipe. <laughs> And we know that Satan does as well. Well, let's say that they went by the day coming up in the morning. We'll see that would shoot their whole theory, their own plan right in the head. Because they could come up with this 12 o'clock midnight stuff, the three-hour witching hour, all this stuff. And plus, it distorts and diverts time. They yeah. don't want you to know correct historical dates, things that happened at certain times. Uh, like the feast days of Israel are certain times appointed. And what's times appointed? Numbers. Numbers appoint time. It's, it's, it's essential. A numbers uh, in Scripture is so critically important. It's incredible. And if there wasn't no uh, title, chapter headings, like they put installed in the 1500, numbers would still be important because you read about numbers. And what you were saying about uh, how they use it for their purposes, well, the lesser light to rule by night and the, the bigger light, the sun, to rule by the day. Now, all of a sudden... The sun don't come up at 12 at night and start ruling, does it? Mm-hmm. The moon is ruling at night. Right. Not the I sun. Talk about that, yeah. I mean, that's so simplistic. You know, I'm laughing about that. That, that. That's just common sense, man. You don't even need to think about that. But people make complicated issues out of it, like pastors and, uh, you know, uh, uh, New Age movement and all this stuff, witchcraft and all these other uh, nefarious uh, religions, uh, they that that they use numbers to uh, to deflect your attention. They don't want you to know the right calendar. They don't want you to know. Uh, it's almost like uh, it, it throws your polarity off. Like I said a minute ago, it screws you up. And so I had the hardest time years ago, back in the eighties, trying to get these number things figured out. But since I was given the gift of numbers, it, it helped me uh, to discover these truths I was looking for, because I knew there was something where I had to keep going, keep searching, keep researching, keep studying. Uh, so I finally came up to, oh, this is this is it. So calendars? Uh, I don't trust any of them. I don't think anybody really knows what a reliable calendar is and where it is. Reliable calendars. All the numbers yeah. are wrong. Everything's wrong. There's Everything's right. wrong. 
It's always been right. But if you look- want to believe, they want to emotionally identify with a, mm-hmm. uh, a belief system and a calendar so they can have certainty. They're always seeking certainty. There is no certainty. No. It's all corrupted. God corrupted everything as a punishment. Well, see, that's another reason what numbers has done. It gives you uncertainty. <laughs> they don't want you to know certainty because if you knew certainty, they would be exposed. Uh-huh. And they got to stay behind the veil, behind the curtain for as long as they can because they know the curtain's coming up pretty soon. The game's going to be over. So they're going to keep using these numbers and symbolism and sports and movies and, and the media and the newspaper or the press, all this stuff to keep, to keep you confused. It's called measurement, measuring your consciousness, measuring where your heart's at, your thoughts. See, it's a measurement. A measurement is a number. <laughs> It takes and you obviously and believe that you can use um, numbers as an apologetic to prove that there's a massive conspiracy and there's conspirators hiding the background. You must mm-hmm. hold to that view, right? 100%. Yeah. So how would you recommend, uh, like, you know, conspiracy 101 version of uh, how would you use numbers to prove that there's a historical conspiracy? I've never even actually thought about doing that. Well, they leave behind uh, what we call Illuminati signatures. You mean like residue? Well, let's take, for instance, the um, the uh, see here. Oh, the Great London Fire wasn't that in 1666? I think you're right. Yeah, that would tell us that that's a ritual fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's only one London Fire. That's why the ones in front of the three sixes. Uh huh. Now, also, um, there's speculation about a uh, a Jewish messiah in the Second Jewish Revolt. His name's a little bit hard to pronounce, so I won't bother. But once you get beyond him, see, I think he's uh, a manufactured figure. I don't think he's a real historical figure, so I don't even want to deal with him. But after that, you don't have a significant messianic figure in Judaism until you get to this individual in 1666. Mm-hmm. Are, you talking about, are you thinking about uh, Bar Kochba in uh, 135 AD? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, Bar Kochba, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't think uh, he's a historical figure, but he could have been. It's not really that mm-hmm. important. See, I don't believe that the Second Jewish Revolt actually happened. I believe to an abbreviated version of history that they manufactured the Dark Ages, mm-hmm. and you actually have time compression and it gets a little bit complex, but uh-huh. they're going to have to manufacture some figures that didn't even ex- mm-hmm. historical figures well, that didn't even exist. I don't agree or disagree disagree with what you just said. But I came to that conclusion a long time ago. There is no authoritative figure since all the apostles passed away, and what they say is John was the last one to pass away. So after that, there is no authoritative figure. Never has been. But now they, there's they a wanna, lot of um, they want to present some to you. And make them make you feel like, well, this guy has all the wisdom, he has all the answers, so he'll give you the knowledge you're looking for. Well, it's not it doesn't it doesn't work that way. You've got to be wise enough to see through that. I just want uh, people to be aware that I'm I'm aware that there's a lot of literature out there uh, that supports the Second Jewish Revolt. Uh, we'll talk about that just briefly here. Um, I I, don't, I believe it's all forgeries. Okay, I let's take an example. I don't believe that Genghis Khan was a historical figure. I believe that he was actually named after Cain. And they just manufactured him on a thing. Yeah. 
put and the H in there. It's virtually impossible to prove. Replace the I with an H. It's the Mongol uh, historical figure, figure uh, period actually happened. Mm-hmm. There's no way to prove anything. That's true. Uh, your listeners need to realize and understand what you've been preaching for a long time, and that's wordsmithing. I mean, you could go, uh, you could see wordsmithing everywhere. They can use one letter to screw up everything. And they use that as a disguise, too, to represent their goddesses. And, uh, of course, you see in Hollywood stuff, they just change one letter, and it, it changes the whole context of everything. So, anyway, we're t- we talked about 1666 and the emergence of this um, false messiah who eventually uh, converted to uh, – it was a forced conversion. He converted to Islam mm-hmm. somewhat curiously. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that that was either he was either a mind controlled slave because they have advanced hypnotism techniques that we yeah. talked about before we pushed the record button, or he was acting out a historical drama, and that's what they actually wanted. Because I cannot conceive of any other possibility. That was what they wanted all along. That was oh. all scripted. It, it wasn't unexpected. Now. People will have problems believing that the Illuminati would script such a strange end to the whole story. But they're under control in the medieval era. Things are not happening by happenstance. Now, it's possible that God surprised them and uh, diverted their plans. That's possible. That, but I don't, I don't think that's what happened. Well, from my research back in the 80s when I was in the library and stuff, I realized that numbers is what I was missing because there's so many gaps in history. I, could, I was locating, trying to locate, find, search uh, to confirm. I couldn't find them. And so just numbers, there's brief periods of history you can't find anything on, especially in the medieval area. And I learned that the hard way. I said, wait a minute, this has to be falsified or there's some kind of motive and reason why they're uh, deleting certain parts of history here. And so I came to the realization and conclusion, well, I'm being deceived. So I went back to common sense. Okay, what's what's true, what's not true? Why are they writing this history I can't find? Are they suppressing it, hiding it from me? Why did they exclude it? So I had all these questions bouncing around. And So once you have those questions bouncing around like that, and you have your uh, your assumptions on matters, well, you got to go back to square one. Use your common sense and reasoning. Like I said before, you have a big dilemma. If you're going to add extra centuries, Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to create problems for yourself if you're going to allow uh, scientific and technological advancement. Mm -hmm. That's going to create huge problems for yourself. Now you look at this, Genghis. The other option is to not allow any advancement. Um, That way you can explain things a lot easier, and that's what they decided to do. So... Mm -hmm. In the Dark Ages, they said, well, there was no advancement. Everything came to a grinding halt. See how much easier that is to manufacture history? How much easier? Yeah, it simplifies well, things. Let's accept that. Mm-hmm. What they're now, who, now, who are the historians and the scholars or the church elders and bishops or people in high authority? Who are the ones that came up with B.C. and A.D.? And who are they to exactly pinpoint B.C. and A.D., the beginning of A.D. and the end of B.C.? I was well, I'm sure about those that. letters have some kind of esoteric purpose. Have you mm-hmm. ever uh, tried to crack that? They have to you represent find, something. They always do. You, you can't find any documentation to substantiate who exactly you know, did that for what reason. And whoever it is, 
they must have had a motive why they did that. They're trying to. We don't even know the the origins of it, huh? That yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, you don't know the origins of it. I tried doing research on that, came up with a dead end. So. The Catholic Church didn't do it. No, I'm thinking Catholic Church. <laughs> You're reading my mind. Yeah, I think the Catholic Church was involved uh, 100% in that matter. So, if you think about it, they've controlled mostly everything. But it's really uh, who's behind the Catholic Church. Yeah, it's not the Catholic Church itself. It's called the Roman Senate. Mm-hmm. Roman Senate hasn't gone anywhere. They're still here. They're just. Now, I hold to a different view. I I believe that the Roman Empire was destroyed. No, no, no. The system wasn't. The buildings were, but the system wasn't. Well, that, that's, uh, that's... They just migrated somewhere else and started over again. You know, came up with a new game plan and started over. So. Well, my view is that the Roman system is a reconfiguration of the Babylonian system. Oh, I agree, yeah. Yeah. It's almost a carbon copy, man. It's a blueprint. Yeah, so it's really <laughs> just a Babylonian system. Yeah, and and they just, it, it, they're twisting it, you know, changing it to fit their needs. But see, I believe that there was a massive worldwide cataclysm Mm-hmm. First century, it destroyed everything. And if you look at, at um, Daniel seven, it's going to tell you this. You have these four symbolic beasts, and the scholarly opinion is that three of those beasts are um, Babylon, the latter stage, because there's two stages in Medo-Persia and Greece, because there's sufficient evidence for that. Egypt is not mentioned. And then, because Rome is greater than those empires, Rome has to be one of the four. And uh, we're not going to get into this two-stage theory, which I used to hold to of the Roman Empire. I believe that's false. Uh-huh. It's manufactured to confuse people. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you have well, the, to go, you have the, to, go, to the, the view go, yeah. that the Roman Empire is the fourth beast. Because it's greater than the other three empires. But how do you define... Once you figure out that you cannot skip over the the Roman Empire, you're in trouble if you're a literalist, because it says right in the text there, in Daniel 7, Mm -hmm. that the fourth beast, which is different than the other three, is thrown into the fire. Now, I'm saying, based on a literal interpretation of Scripture that there was a massive worldwide cataclysm of fire and not water. And this will sound funny to people, but they covered it all up. But actually, the cataclysm covers itself up. Because you're going to have extreme cold for an extended period of time, and and everything is going to come to a grinding halt. Well, I'll tell you, there there wouldn't be no... Go ahead. There wouldn't be no system if it wasn't for government. They suppress all information, all knowledge, all archaeological finds. They suppress everything. Alexandrian Library, I could go on for weeks about that, but that was a psyop. So what they do is they don't want each person to have their individual freedom, rights, and liberty because they want to rule and govern over people. So how they do that is to suppress and keep knowledge away from the common folks because if the common folks had that, then they would revolt against these uh, systems. But it's not systems, it's systems, singular, not plural. There's one system. <laughs> it's been an implementation and getting bigger and larger over the centuries. And in my estimation, in my opinion, from what I read in the text and all the research I've done, it's the Roman Senate. They haven't gone anywhere. They're right here. They're still alive and well. 
And everything stems from the Roman Senate, yet they're behind the curtains. You don't see them. They're not even the ones pulling the string in the theater on the puppets. See, they built the theater. They built the puppets, the puppeteers. Uh, they own the property that the theater sits on. Uh, but they're way back in the woods. You can't see them. It's this hierarchy that you speak of, that, which I know about. you got to go all the way to the top. See, they use these guys as, as pawns to distract you, to uh, confuse you, to throw fear into you, uncertainty, and all these things. You know, Illuminati, the Council of 13 Druids, you know, this and that. You've got to go a little bit higher than that. And who orchestrates and who uh, is the supervisor of all this? His name's Hasatan. So go to the top. That way you'll figure out stuff a lot easier than, than bottom feeding all the time, which most people do. Just go to the top. You'll figure them out. He's in, he's in the text. You can find out all about them. <laughs> uh-huh. So the system has always been here. It just comes in, in different uh, flavors. There's so many different flavors of the system. Yet, it all comes from the same ice cream shop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Well, I go, want to say this before I forget. You want to say something else? Well, everything I just said, does that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of a common sense approach. I think approach there's though. someone behind the, the, the Roman Senate. Well, so do I. Yeah. They're not running the show. They're yeah. taking orders, too. They're taking orders. Everybody takes orders. And it's like uh, you, just heard about, you just heard about John Boehner. He's resigning. Well, guess what? He got his walking papers. <laughs> From the big boys, your time's up. See you later, pal. Cry baby boner. What's that? Cry baby boner. Every single time you see that guy, he's always mm-hmm. cry. He always could look like he got a little cry baby face all the time. Uh, and he's supposed to be the speaker of the house? Seriously. Yeah. Guy is a joke. Well, see if you look in you government think right he's now. He's a good actor or a bad actor. Terrible. When the Pope came or whatever, he was like, you know, you know, sniffling in his tissue or whatever, crying. It was so fake. You don't appreciate his acting skills. Huh? No, I don't appreciate his acting skills. I, there's, there's better actors than that. Mm-hmm. Well, he's nobody of singular importance. Like Bush. Bush is a better actor. Let me get back now, to if you if you think about it in the controlled system that we're in, they want all your attention focused on government because they want they lead you to government thinking they'll solve all your problems, help you with a better life, help you find They don't give you anything above government. And so they don't the give you anything. So who's the new speaker of the house? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> well, I mean it's it does not gonna... have sort of relevance in the esoteric mm. uh Illuminati uh investigation-wise. you got re- to remember, governments are pawns. and uh, They're just pawns in the big scheme of things. Uh, the whole big question is, wh- why did they pick who they picked? Who did Manufactured they figureheads for public consumption. Right. Cutouts. Perfect way of putting it. There you go. And they all believe the same thing in, this, in a great gi- gigantic cult, which I talked about, and they just act out different roles based on the orders that they're given. They all believe the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the beehive, just like you explained. They don't have individual opinions. Mm-hmm. Well, your analogy, not David, the beehive cult. is perfect. Not in the satanic cult, you don't do that. You believe what you're told. Yeah. yeah. And they have technology to read your mind, and they have thought crime. I mean, if you don't believe what you're told, they'll punish you. And if you don't conform, they'll murder you. Unless yeah, yeah. they want to torture you to increase your... Uh, Discomfort. Because well, what's, the, what's, the, what's the one catchphrase we've been hearing a lot over the last, what, five, six years is, 
political correctness. And if you don't agree with their political system, then you're you're an enemy. Yeah, that's the outer cult. I don't think I don't think I don't think Donald Trump was part of the candidates, though. I don't think they meant to have him to be one of the presidential candidates. And here he is running. And it's not just America's media that is attacking Donald Trump. It's the whole world that is attacking Donald Trump. The he whole world media is around the whole world attacking Donald Trump. There's no such thing as presidential candidates. The the offices of a, of a president is a complete sham. That's manufactured. They've already been selected. They've already been selected. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know. I'm just saying in general. But I'm just, you know, it is, don't you find that quite peculiar how it's not just American media that's attacking Donald Trump, but it's the whole worldwide news media around the well, whole entire world? Well, since you're going to mention his name, uh, he has a satanic name. That's not his real name. But um, did you guys know, and I don't want to digress into uh, Trump trivia because it's nothing but a carnival act, that he came out, his his handler gave him permission, which is actually an order, to make the public statement that his favorite book is the Bible. What well, that's think? what Hillary Clinton said, too, I think. You know, they're mocking you because they're, they're coming right out and they're telling you, if you, if you have any common sense whatsoever, I'm a liar, and I want you to know that I'm lying. Well, actually, we already knew that. But do you realize that most people actually believe that? Because they cannot except the big lie that they're lying through their teeth. Because they have to place their hope in the system, because there's nothing else offered to the people. What else do they offer to the people? So in order to have hope, despite the fact that they have a general awareness that these people are involved with significant corruption, that they don't have anything else to look to and place their hope in, so they have to live in denial and... Make believe that these people are sincere, which is an oh. absolute absurdity. Well, oh, well, Obambi, Obambi never had. Uh, he was an agent of the New World Order, and uh, as um, and then to, he never had any threats on him prior to entering into office. So I mean, well, why are they having death threats at Trump? You know, they got death threats on him. And people, you know, giving his address away and stuff on before it's news. That's completely illegal to do. I don't want to talk about the Wicked Witch of the East, and I don't want to talk about uh, this manufactured uh, cardboard cutout, because they don't have any singular importance. They don't have any um, power. And um, it's they, had they had a Simpsons episode. They had a Simpsons episode for predicting... Um, it was going into Bart Simpson's future, and Lisa, his his sister, um, was uh, the president. I think she was supposed to be Hillary Clinton or something like that. But then they, let's get yeah, back there to was what we were not, talking about, Dave. Yeah, okay. there was Donald Trump, too. Well, the Simpsons has been exposed as having false predictive programming. There's false predictive programming. You can't just look at the Simpsons and go, well, this is going to happen. First of all, you're, you're proceeding off the assumption that you can interpret if they have a clock and it's pointing to 923, then you know what that means. The people that create YouTube videos, they always believe that they know what it means. But they've been proven wrong over and over again because you're talking about satanic geniuses who are sitting on a massive amount of esoteric information that these um, 
And you boobers don't know anything about. So they're you not have, able to process any, the information. Do you have any know who will win the candidacy? There's no candidates, Channing. It's all fake. Do you have any know of who will win the quote-unquote presidency? Nobody wins. That's already been decided. Nobody loses. It's all Do fake. you have any know on uh, who was selected? There's no election. Who was selected? Nobody is selected. Who was picked? Okay, are you talking about in the distant past? In the in future. In the satanic system, what actually happens is you have in the future. either a, a dark celestial being or you have a, a preeminent, exalted black priest. And he selects an individual based on occult divination. This is based on if the, if the priest does this. It's a bit more complex than that because they consider all information. So if they're actually making a selection based on qualification, they're, um, they're building a personality profile on a child. Okay, so if they have the next... A second, and, and they're determining what are the strengths and weaknesses of these children, and then they assign them for future roles. Now, this is actually, this is very complicated, but that, that's part of what's going on. But... If the person is going to act out an important role, I actually believe that there's a dark celestial being that just assigns it, and they just obey what they're told. They actually take orders and carry them out, and the child is reared by its own parents, and they also have uh, teachers. Do you think that there will be another president after Obama? Uh, probably not, based on the number 44. Okay. But just real quick digression here. Uh I'm going to put you on the spot a number of times, okay? But, White Raven, do you believe that, the, that there was 44 um, kings uh, in Israel in the southern or northern kingdoms in totality? Oh, yes, I do. Okay. Well, he was just saying that the number 45 was, was something special, so maybe they might have another president. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Well, not the president. See, there's a Davidic king coming that they're telling you about in predictive programming over and over and over again. The church doesn't know about him, and um, neither does anybody else. The Illuminati know about him. Well, I'm not going to fall for uh, the, 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 the phony, uh, you know, ness of Christians thinking that this guy is, is some sort of antichrist if, 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 if he, uh, you know, if he appears to be a, a good guy. But if he if he appears evil, then you know, then obviously I'm going to think he's the Antichrist. Well, we're off on a different subject. But I told you last night that Christians are programmed. The, the, it's real simple. The Illuminati knows certain things that he's going to do. He's going Common. to redistribute wealth because he's going to help the poor. And if he's a person of power, he can't have a war running the background. It's not going to look very good. So he's going to shut the war down. They've been programmed to believe that whoever does this is the Antichrist. Because the Illuminati knows what's going to happen. So that they're pro almost everybody is going to believe he's the Antichrist at first. If he doesn't That's have indications of someone that looks nefarious to me, then I'm not going to assume that this guy is some sort of Antichrist. Hey, Dave. Uh, one thing you can um, 
take to the bank uh, chanting is that people, including Christians all through history, they obey their programming. Christians have very little discernment, and uh, they're easily manipulated. Yeah, go ahead. Can we get back to our topic of numbers? Yeah, let me uh, get back to that right now. So according to manufactured history by the usual suspects, they tell us that the Roman legions marched against Jerusalem in 66 A.D., which, of course, is a multiple of the uh, very important number 33. And they tell us different things about um, when Jesus' death occurred. Mm -hmm. Uh, One version is he was 30, and I believe it's the less popular opinion that he was 33. But they're actually telling us that he was... uh, crucified on the 33rd degree parallel, which is obviously esoteric, and that means they're telling you that it, from their perspective of a black magician, it was a killing of the king ritual. Uh-huh. I'm going to ask you about these longitudes. And um, Well, who but, instituted? Who Who's the one that compiled and came up with the idea of latitude, longitude, and all this stuff? I don't oh, think yeah, that. But let me go forward just a little bit more. And so if you take the number 66, and uh, multiply it um, by 2, you're going to have 132 A.D., and that's when they're telling you is the second Jewish revolt, which I think is manufactured out of thin air. No, I don't believe that. Notice that they're, they're telling you, at the very least, I mean, if you, want to, if you have a conspiratorial mind and you actually want to believe that these are legitimate dates, at the very least, you're going to have to admit that, that they're telling you that they manufactured all these events. They were involved, just like the canon of the Bible, 66 books, 13 Pauline epistles, 39 um, books in the well, Old you, Testament. You can reconcile a timeline with Gregorian calendar. So this is um, what we call an Illuminati signature, and that's the reason I'm bringing this up is because I asked you how you can use mathematics to prove this historical conspiracy, but you'll see these numbers all through history, <laughs> and at some point it becomes completely absurd to quite try to explain all this away by co- what we call coincidence theory. Because did you know that mm-hmm. most people in this society are coincidence theorists? They don't uh, acknowledge this. They're... Mm-hmm. They don't want to be confused with the facts, so they just ignore the uh, the mathematics, put their head in the sand. Well, the hardest thing to accept is truth. They don't People want to know because the reality is going to crash. The mathematics yeah. will crash their manufactured reality because you can't refute it because there's too much no. redundancy. No, it's the one proven science that you cannot uh, disprove. You can't – it's just – it's provable. <laughs> it's the most exact science there ever was is numbers, man. Yeah. You can't deny it. You can't refute it. You can't, uh, you know, the way it is. Uh, I just observed a comment that an ounce of salt per day made, and he's 100% correct, that uh, the way time was measured back in the, the days of the Hebrews was the moon and the different harvests of the year. Uh, he mentioned Egypt, but that's kind of not necessarily, yeah, it could be true, but they went by the sighting of the moon. Now, what's the sighting of the moon? It's the timeline. And what's the timeline? Numbers, measurements. So it's a, it's a what do you call it? A, a quantitative procedure and process that's irrefutable. Mm-hmm. And he's right. That's what they used to go by, is the sighting of the moon and the time of the harvest. Well, the time of the harvest is a measurement. 
which equals a number. It could constitute, a number can constitute many things. A time and season, uh, uh, a figure, uh, a moment, time of the year. <laughs> so all these things with numbers ever since, you know, a long time ago were instituted for other reasons and purposes to keep you off track. Frank, are you okay? You're, Frank's in the chat. Are you are you familiar with the uh, the theory of a solar calendar, an Enochian solar calendar? Yes or no? Okay, he's saying that the Sabbath starts on the evening. I was going to address that. Let me address that mm-hmm. right now. Okay, you have what I call tier two propaganda, and if you if you don't believe what you're told then they're going to give you a false alternative. So they tricked the Jewish community into believing, this is all satanic, also satanic, that the Sabbath begins in evening at sunset. Correct? But that's not when the Sabbath begins. The Sabbath day begins, and you'll actually find this uh, in the Bible. One of the best examples is where it's talking about Mary Magdalene. And uh, it begins when the sun rises, just like any other day. It's real simple. They covered all that up. Very simple. One of the reasons they did it is because they have a hate relationship, which I defined earlier as a love-hate relationship, because they know that life comes from the sun. And uh, so they can't entirely despise life because they're subjected to natural law. They can't function outside of that, even though they worship death, you see. So I think they mostly despise the sun, uh, but I think that's one of the esoteric reasons why they um, they veiled the concept of a morning in relationship to a sun. But yeah, I mean, that's a false view that the, um, the Sabbath begins in evening. Because um, in the Bible, it uh, begins in the morning when the sun rises. And what we have is all these compartmentalized minds that are products of hundreds of years of social engineering. Mm-hmm. And they can't think straight. They can't think out of the box. We're talking about textbook repeaters with plaques on their walls. So if you ask a textbook repeater with a plaque on his wall, he's going to get a knowing smile on his face. He's called a scholar. Okay, He's a product of the system. Yeah. He's absorbed Absolutely. a tremendous amount of... Um, propaganda and indoctrination but he doesn't know that cuz he doesn't have a uh, he doesn't have a he does he's not suspicious he's an unawareable drone he's not even it's never even crossed his mind he has an emotional attachment right. to his education he takes great pride in it and uh they roll him out there as an expert and his ego is attached to his vocation because um I'm going to challenge that right now, okay? If you ask a little child, when does the day begin? What is the little child going to tell you? The little the child morning. might actually kind of, he'll have a knowing smile too. He says, why would you ask a silly question like that? Because a little child who hasn't been indoctrinated yet, the little child actually knows when the day begins. Mm-hmm. But the, what is the little child going to tell you that hasn't been indoctrinated yet? It begins mm-hmm. in the morning. When the sun comes up. Is it true or is it not true that when the sun rises, that's a beginning? 
So if you're going to posit the theory that there, the sun or the day begins at midnight or the previous evening, you're talking about two beginnings. That's going to complicate things, but there's only one beginning. There's only one, not two. <laughs> and the child knows, but the scholar doesn't. Isn't that interesting? So in the Messianic Jewish movement, which is a mixture of good and bad, you've got all these people running around that think that they know more than you do because you're just a Christian. And you're pronouncing everything wrong, and you don't observe the feasts, and blah, blah, blah. But you're all corrupted. Everything's corrupted. They don't know that. Because they don't believe that God would allow such a thing. Because these feasts are sacred. And that's true. They once were. But they're not sacred anymore because they've been corrupted. And that was a punishment. They don't understand the principle of a corporate punishment. They don't, they don't get that. Because they hold to the view, like other Christians do, that God would never allow such a thing. That the Sabbath is too sacred for God to allow it to be corrupted. That's exactly what he did. And he also concealed it. And if you don't believe that, that's too bad, because you can't prove what day it's on anyway. Because you don't have any definitive starting dates. No. And once you agree with me that all of our chronologies are corrupt, because we don't have certainty about any starting dates... Would you agree with me on that? I'm talking about ancient chronologies, like in uh, Daniel 9. Daniel well, okay, I'm yeah, here. we don't have certainty about the starting date, you see. No, that's that's why I've always been kind of skeptical of, of, of numbers in that aspect, because you really can't, there's no beginning point. You can't have documentation to prove the beginning point, and so it's all uh, a theoretical heresy, in my opinion. It's a system of control, but it's the system. The system hasn't gone anywhere. The system's been here for thousands of years. But it's starting to uh, come apart. It's going to be crumbling pretty soon because they know their time's running out. Back to what you were talking about on Psalm 45 and, and President Obama, mm -hmm. uh, 44th president. Well, see, what the message they're saying to you is that the next king's going to be the king of Psalm 45. That's what they're trying to convey yeah, that was to yeah, that's what they're implying, but see, nobody can see that. And then I don't know how uh, that's going to work, but he's supposed to rule the entire world. Mm -hmm. The office of the president, he's not going to be a U.S. president, as far as I know. And uh, I don't know how that's going to work, but he's going to be king well, of the earth. That's just an indicator number, the number 44, as far as... Mm -hmm. uh, see, this goes all the way back from the first president, George Washington. They had all this, all this figured out by the greatest mathematicians, historians, and scholars in the world which they had working for him over the centuries. So he devised these numbers with all these dates on them, how many presidents are we going to be, and we're going to implement this uh, new world order on, on this date, and we're very patient. we got 200-year plans. We have 100-year plans, 50-year plans. They're in no hurry. So it's boiling down. Now it's 44. And in my opinion, I don't think there's going to be an election next year. I think Obama's just going to proclaim himself president for life is what I think. I think all this other stuff is just uh, arranging around the parts, uh, pieces on the stage. That's all I think it is. Mm -hmm. Because well, either he will extend it and continue to be the 44th president, or uh, yeah, he's, he's going to spend it. I don't believe I don't believe he'll be replaced by another American president. So I don't believe oh. that there's a female coming. Well, that's just 
that's just my guesstimation because the way things are rolling out every day, the way the cards are falling, it just looks like it's heading in that direction. So. Let me throw out some trivia there for you because I want to correct myself. Um, we talk about this underground stream in the background where people mm-hmm. have gotten revelations, but God told them to um, don't communicate these things publicly mm-hmm. because they had to wait. And uh, I don't think anybody's going to get too upset about this, but um, I heard people getting revelation about a um, a woman leader in the future that will be like physically transformed, like the Davidic prince is supposed to be, mm-hmm. and she leads America. I don't know if she's a president or not. That's what these people were getting, and she was youthful in appearance and very beautiful. She appeared like a goddess, and people mm-hmm. worshipped her. So Gotta we'll be see. careful there. Yeah. Uh, the reason I. Uh, Throw it out there is because um, we don't need to freak out about these things. We can talk about some, just throw it out there. I don't know for certain if it's true. But time will verify uh, whether it's true or not. You know what I mean? Hillary Clinton supporters just had a, a thing where they were sing, uh, replaced the words to a Jesus song um, and replaced them w- with, with Hillary Clinton. They just um, do that to make ignorant, fundamental fundamentalist Christians angry. Yeah. That's what all that for. You're just supposed to react to that, so don't even pay attention to it. See, that's what they want. They want a reaction from you. Manufactured <laughs> drama. Exactly. If you don't get a reaction, then they're not uh, fulfilling their purpose. Yeah, you're supposed to, uh, if you work for them, like most uh, Christians do on Facebook, because they're operating out of ignorance, you will post that everywhere mm-hmm. and help to make people angry. Because mm-hmm. ask yourself this question. Is that what they want? You're agreeing with me, right? Right, Raven, right? They want you to react to it. They want you to be angry. They want you to be upset. Oh, yeah, that's that's the plan. And the, where this is all leading, by the way, once you become more educated, you realize that you can't do anything about it, so it leads to a state of apathy. Well, uh, actually, help, helplessness and then ap- apathy, which leads to disinterest and then going back to the blinking screen because you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So, is it true or is it not true that you are helping the Illuminati by circulating these stories on Facebook? Are you helping the Illuminati? Yes, yeah. you are. Yeah, you're that's what, the that's what they want. That's what they want. Yeah. Do you think you're educating people? No, you're dispersing propaganda, reactionary propaganda. It's just, what's the primary purpose? To get people to react. Mm-hmm. But you think you're educating people. I want people to know what's going on. It's best to just keep your mouth shut and don't even give people something to react to because that's what they want. Now, how many people think that way? Because they haven't figured out the system. (laughs) See, the people that are driving the system, they're vastly more intelligent than people on Facebook. Those people are largely clueless. They're just cutting and pacing. They don't have a lot of time in their hands. And it's all very robotic. They're not putting a lot of intelligent thought behind what they're doing. They're just looking at this and go, I like that. I want to share with other people. You may want to think about that next time. Uh, for one second, uh, ounce of salt per day. Uh, can you clarify and define what you mean by the world calendar by President Carter? I've heard of that somewhere in the back of my mind. I really can't uh, bring it up in memory here, but I do remember hearing about some kind of world calendar. Uh, if you could expound on that a little bit, just make a little small comment. That's got my curiosity aroused. 
That probably has to do with some kind of a, a dumb, dumb New World Order calendar they're going to mm. foist upon the people. That won't be a genuine calendar either. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's no genuine calendar. But all these uh, goddesses you see, and they're presenting through Hollywood and stuff, uh, Katy Perry, everybody else, uh, they're telling you, like Dave's been saying, that there's going to be a woman coming in the future who's going to be very prominent, very powerful, very uh, an authoritative position. There's there's two of them. There's one um, that's dark, and there's one that's light. The Antichrist, that's light. Has, a cons- the Antichrist has a consort. Okay. Well, I'm t- yeah, I'm I'm talking about the one with light, not yeah, dark. Yeah, I am too. They yeah, don't, so. People don't know about her. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they open up the text, they can find out all about her. You know, Here's a simple way to understand it. If you go to the book of Micah, it says that uh, God led Israel by three people, and one of them is a woman that the church ignores. Her name's Miriam, and she's listed third in hierarchy behind um, Moses Thanks, Frank. and Aaron. So a way to understand that is there's, there's a new Miriam coming. There's a new Miriam coming. Yeah. If you can process that. Now, Get your Bible out and show us how you're going to prove that there is no new Miriam coming, because nobody can do that. If the Bible was was absolutely silent, you couldn't use the Bible to disprove it, because the Bible is silent. But actually, the Bible does talk about these things. And there's a conspiracy to turn her into a metaphor of the church. Or it's actually, yeah, the scriptures that mention her, it's just just referring to the church. And that's deliberate false exegesis, in my opinion. They're trying to cover yeah. something up. They don't want you to know. Yeah, that is exegesis. Mm-hmm. You know what that is? You see, people people say, well, Dave, where's this theological propaganda that you talk about? I just mentioned it. You can see it in Psalm 45. The entity, that's the, 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 the princess or the queen, depending on your translation, that's not the church. No, it has nothing I to... believe that she personifies the church, and it could actually be a double metaphor. I'll actually go, I'm not certain if it's a double metaphor. I'm confident that she does personify the church. Well, you but, can go uh, with a double metaphor, but I think you need a little bit more deprogramming in that area, Dave. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the church. Very clear. Well, well I'm presenting as a theory. I actually don't believe that. Yeah, I don't either. I don't believe that myself. It's just a historical woman. I think it refers to an actual historical uh, woman. Yeah, but the reason I say that at all is because I believe in other contexts in Scripture she does personify the church, Revelation 12. Yeah, but when, that means that in certain contexts there's a double metaphor. Well, the church always opinion. claims that they're, they're pure and pristine and they're clean and they're virgin. This and that. Well, when Shiloh comes back, the church is going to be corrupt and filthy. Why would you want to marry a, a whore? See, that don't make sense to me. That doesn't add up. I would want to marry a woman with virtuous qualities, not one that's been corrupted. <laughs> so there's I've always had my doubts about that interpretation, because if you know your language, anything about the KJV, you're going to find out that the church was originally another word, and this and that, and the bride of Christ, that's a mistransliteration. I can go on and on about that. So I got my, my doubts about that. Why would he want to come back and marry a whore? See, that don't make sense to me. Well, I believe that that's clean, marrying uh, unclean. Why would clean marry unclean? Marries a redeemed whore, and that's what you're seeing in Revelation 12. The woman that's clothed with the sun, she's naked because she's a whore, but she's been cleansed with the righteousness of Christ. How, how can she be naked if she's clothed with the sun? 
What does clothes mean? She became clothed. I believe she's the whore of Babylon. But the representation and depiction in Revelation 12, 1 is she's clothed with the sun. Therefore, she's not naked. Um, She's the whore of Babylon. That's what I believe. You have to make the connection. It's the same woman. Yeah. So, I mean, who's going to do that? I've never heard of anyone making that correlation there. But what's important is that... um, to get to the point where I understand that um, who does that win, that woman symbolizes someone just like the beast personifies someone. Personification is a better term. The beast personifies an evil kingdom, and the woman personifies God's people who are corrupt. And that's the whore in uh, Revelation 17 and 18, which has to do with, I, I think it's a double fulfillment that has to do with both the past and the future. But I believe it's the same woman there. Revelation twelve. She's a redeemed whore. So Well I'm not going to dispute that or agree with it, so remember that uh God said that Judah was more wicked than Sodom? Uh, what more? <laughs> in uh the book of uh, Ezekiel. I keep pointing that out because Chris is you can lead to you can develop theories that um, what we call the Christian church is more wicked than Judah, which means we're more more wicked than Sodom. But who's not wicked? It's interesting. There's there's no way to disprove that with any authority. That's going to have to be an unprovable theory that Christians can't refute. They just don't want to talk about it. It's not going to make them feel good, as usual. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have anything that can make me feel good in the interim here? Because we're talking about a lot of negative things. Uh, it's starting to affect me on an emotional level. You want to brighten up the show and paint the world a brighter place so we can feel better about this manufactured reality we all live in, in a, this gigantic cult? Well, I'm not a Michelangelo or a Picasso, but uh, I guess I can give it my best shot here. Uh, one thing you were talking about one night was number one. Uh-huh. You kind of You kind of quizzed Channing on this. And what's the most important number? And the number is one. Uh, based on what you I said. I thought you said it was five was the most important number. Now, is this, we're, you have to distinguish between God's numbers and their talking, numbers. Es- esoteric number is five. I'm talking about the okay. good side, not okay. the bad side. There it's number one. Number one, Yahweh's number one. And Adam's number one. Yeah. Eve is number one. Anything after that, it's all delusion. Yes. It's, all, so, it's, all a po- it's a potpourri. We've talked about how the 11-11 phenomena is, is mm-hmm. pointing to a future mm-hmm. pair, but mm-hmm. it means right. certain things in different contexts. Sometimes it refers to a secret quaternity, and there's actually four secret quaternities. So well, it's, kind, it's kind of not hidden. It's not tucked away where you can't read it. It's not a mystery, but it's in Zechariah 6, and they'll be between them both. Now, what does both mean? It means more than one. And that's a reference to the queen in Psalm 45. Because you know anything about Solomon's temple? I've done an extensive amount of research on that years ago. Uh, both the Jochum and Boaz, one's a male, one's a female. It's that's the entrance true. to the Holy of Holies. So if you look at it from that perspective, which is the only way to look at it, then you'll understand what you're reading. Very simple. And it's also elaborated and uh, mentioned in other areas of the old text. The, what the passages that you've mentioned in the past on your podcast, it all connects. 
I want to say something about that because we're going to talk a little bit about um, Freemasonic symbolism, specifically pillar symbolism. Um, but I was talking about the uh, the seven stars that relate to the uh, seven goddesses, seven planets, and they're actually mm-hmm. the, the seven Elohim that stand before the throne, which they can also call them angels if you want. But um, I didn't quite clarify that the key to understanding all this when I talked about Freemasonic symbolism, which has these two pillars identified with the sun and the moon, and then these seven stars. Okay, there's just one thing I want to say. I mean, maybe I said mm-hmm. it, maybe I didn't, but I just want to clarify. The way you understand this, they have their own seven. They have their own hierarchy. They have their own 70. They have their own upper pantheon. It can be a pantheon of seven, or if you include the other two, which is male and female, you have a pantheon of nine. Pantheon of nine. This, they actually communicated this visually in the first Lord of the Rings film. It's unbelievable, right in front of your face. They had these two pillars, and they had oh, above them mm-hmm. they had um, mm-hmm. the seven Freemasonic stars. And of course, this has to do with who was the author of the Lord of the Rings, supposedly, according to what we're told. You know, Tolkien. Of course, he was mm. a good Roman Catholic, wasn't he? He was no, a, boy. A, a luminist initiate. Ptolemy, yeah. Ptolemy, so something, we don't even know if he even wrote these works. Yeah. I think he yeah, you don't know did. That. But anything, anytime you have something that's very uh, important, what do you think? What do you think? As far as social engineering propaganda, it's typically going to be written by a committee. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Okay, so anyway, you have to understand that there's seven dark. Elohim on their side, when they have those seven stars, and they always have them up high above the pillars, they're not talking about the seven spirits before the throne. No. Obviously. Now, this is very important because it's telling us that there are seven esoteric stars. Because what are they showing you? They're showing you a star. It's a star. And that star is a double metaphor. I've gone into great detail before on a podcast about how stars in the Bible and outside of the Bible are double metaphors for both a star, what we call a planet in our manufactured reality, and also a celestial being that can be light or dark. Okay, So the, the seven dark stars and or Elohim are the key to understanding, you go back to the hierarchy of light, that there's seven Elohim of light that are identified with seven stars, which we call planets, because they're trying to cover up the ancient concept of these seven primary stars with, by creating, make, turning the Earth into a planet and you know creating a false planet like uh, Pluto and confusing uh-huh. us about the sun and the moon. It's, uh, it's all jangled up. So you don't have seven stars that stand out, but that's what they have in the ancient world. Well, look at and it. They, have, they have seven counterparts, and those are the feminine uh, Pleiades. Which be, this used to be just common knowledge. You could just be an ignorant person and just a common folk belief, and you would know mm-hmm. these things. And they were extracted over centuries. And well, one of the weapons that they used against us was the printing press, even though, this is incredible, even though I say that at that particular period of time, if you if, once you... Just ignore ancient technology, because you're going to have to do that. Once you move past that, the printing press is the greatest invention 
in recorded history, but they turned that into the greatest propaganda tool. Because they started cranking all these books with codified information to get people to, well, that's where we get, you know, the term a textbook repeater. They believe what the books say. A doctor believes what his um, patient tells him. Well, he has he reads books as medical journals. You see, those are oh, that's all I know propaganda. Lost track there. You see, but books are also a gift from God. But they it was used. They're going to get in there. It's just it's the same thing with the computer. You see, it's this massive mixture of good and bad. It's not either or. There's people that want to ignore the bad side. There's people that want to ignore the good side and say, well, that's the devil's technology. What they're doing, they're mixing oil with water. It's both. <laughs> they're trying to. God yes, and that's the devil use the printing press, and so, same with the computer. It's just well, hard. I guess so. Can I say something? Real quick, yeah. Both okay. of them will use any available means. You see that? Now, I'm not going to push that envelope where God's going to use pornography. Everybody, that's stupid. Well, they use both Analogies always break down at some point, but the, anything that can be used for a good purpose, God will use it. Go ahead. Well, from an esoteric point of view, uh, the Illuminati, the Masons, uh, the rituals, this and that, the symbology, you've got to go all the way back to Babylon for this and other cultures uh, back then, Samaritan, so on and so forth. But if you look at the planets, they say there's nine planets. Now, nine planets, think about that. The number nine. Then you got the sun. I, I consider the sun is the zero. It's the zero. So therefore, you got your ten digits, which I don't really quantify in exactly, you know, except zero is a digit, but I do because it's important in the numerical system. Uh, but if you look at the planets, the fourth planet from the sun, they say, is Mars. And what's Mars? The planet of war. The next planet, the fifth planet, is Jupiter, the king planet. Now, if you read your text close enough, you're going to find out that Yahweh's a god of war, and he's going to destroy all evil and eliminate it. But see, they turn it around. They're using it for their purposes. I don't even think there is nine planets. I've never seen anything that talks about it. But see, they're using that uh, for a, uh, it's almost like a formula for them, a mathematical formula. Because if you look at the ancients and the mythology, and like the Roman god Mars and so on and so forth, well, Mars is the fourth planet. The king planet is Jupiter, the fifth planet. So you got two right next to each other, the war planet and the king planet. Now, they're going to be button heads. You know what I mean? Well, in my uh, framework, you're talking about two uh, angels that stand before the throne. Hmm. There can be court intrigue because you're talking about the, the royal sons. Yeah. But, uh, that. That's as far as it go with me. Uh, let's get back to the twin pillars for a second. If you look around the world at architecture, especially here in the United States, forget about Rome and Greece and all these other places, you'll see that most uh, in state capitals, you'll see two pillars in front of their architecture. Yeah, yeah. that's a pillar <laughs> symbology. It has to do with that's number one. Pillar. All through the world. And the Roman number people. two and uh, yeah. the symbol for uh, the constellation of Gemini. Mm-hmm. So that's a representation. They think they're going to implement their new world order and the twin pillars are going to hold them up. Well, those twin pillars, from their point of view, what they're using them for is going to collapse on them. And the the two twin pillars that are coming very soon will lift everything back up the way it's supposed to be, not on this false 
uh, uh, reality that they put us in, so to speak. Well, let me ask you a question. When the, when the, you're going to agree with me that the number one has to do with pillar symbology? Uh, not, not necessarily by itself, no. Do you believe that, um, well, I'm saying it can. Uh, oh, it can, yeah. The twin, towers, the twin Towers had to do with pillar symbology. Well, see, there's a distinction between just the number one digit itself and then two ones. That, that, that changes the whole uh, formula and model of mathematics. Uh, it changes the whole. The Twin Towers had to do with ancient pillar symbology. Oh, yeah, yeah. This goes back, like I said, about hundreds of years, long time ago. Man. So I, you would probably agree with me that they represented two two people. Yeah, it represented two uh, people they knew was coming in the future, so that's why they had to destroy, and that's why they were built. So you There's believe it was a lot construction of, ritual? Oh, yeah. I knew exactly what happened the day I got home and I watched it on TV when I heard it at work. I knew what was going on. <laughs> it took me about I mean, four minutes to figure it out. Yeah. That pet goat video, I, I saw that and it sounded well. Yeah, well, they revealed out there. I talked about that mm-hmm. years before. They represented two people and they came out. Remember I was telling you how deeply esoteric that thing is? Yeah, yeah. And then the, the most I had ever seen, they had Illuminati agents out there like Sean David Morton. Well, actually, he was the only guy. That was, he kept repeating this because he knew that nobody was getting it. And he wouldn't yeah. take you anywhere. He just said it has to do with the constellation of Gemini, knowing perfectly well that that constellation anciently, before it was corrupted, mm-hmm. um, and it mentions these two figures in the Book of Acts, by the way, um, but they anciently they re- represented a man and a woman. And they're represented in the ancient Hebrew Maseroth, which you asked me a question about one night, but I didn't really go into detail about it. But this has to do with the crude concept of the, the so-called gospel and the stars. Uh, yeah, there absolutely uh, there, there is a gospel in the stars. Now, what that's based on fundamentally is the names of the stars. Now, I hold to the view that you can't absolutely prove it because we don't have absolute certainty about the origin of the names. Mm-hmm. But I believe that God has uh, sufficiently preserved them, even though it's obvious that they have been deliberately corrupted. And it probably has to do with ancient, well, I believe it has to do with ancient Adamic and Enochian knowledge that Moses would have had, because he had access to the Egyptian mystery schools. Remember how I talked about the ancient Adamic oral tradition ended up in the pagan mystery schools, because mm-hmm. where all the knowledge goes, it was taken away yeah. from God's people, where to go? Yeah. Yeah, they uh, extracted it, it from, from the Hebrews, yeah. That's why well, all this... A lot of that get... had to do with what we call astrology, but that was not an ancient science. It's That's a manufactured science. Back in the ancient world, they didn't distinguish between astrology and astronomy. It was like, if you're going to use that term, which is manufactured, uh, it's actually an occult blind, sending you off in the wrong direction. It's a trigger word, really. Mm-hmm. But it was just an aspect of the, uh, astronomy. Well, here's another way of, of looking at this. Uh, it's, it's symbolic and representative. Uh, if you go back to Genesis, uh, when Adam and Eve, well, they're a representation of the twin pillars. Well, I actually believe that, but that's pretty esoteric because Christians don't understand uh, Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. You know that. So. They think that would be, have to do with Mormonism or something. It's going to be real. No, no, it's, it's from a biblical uh, perspective here. So, but the representation, and that's what they exemplify in Solomon's temple. Because if you do any research, probably by the scribes that wrote that, 
and so on and so forth, and uh, of course the Levites, uh, they'd probably give you the same conclusion, because that's what it's actually representing, in my opinion, is Adam and Eve, because it's a male and a female. Well, what you do is you, it, it's it, if you can get to the point where it represents the male and female anciently, then you're looking from a biblical perspective, and so you're going, um, who are the competitors? Line up these male and female pairs. Let's line them up and yeah. see who else compares with Adam and Eve. Who is there? Who's your second best candidate? Come on, let's bring it to the table. Who is it? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I'm saying, I mean, what are you going to do? Believe Jesus and Mary Magdalene or somebody? Who? There isn't anybody. No, there is nobody. That's why I couldn't give you an answer because there is nobody. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's, it's a very simple approach to that. Enoch you know, did not have any historical consort that's described for us. Not, not that I know of. That was what's uh, Moses did not have a significant consort. No. Nope. Downplayed in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Who else do you have? The church won't allow Jesus to have a consort. Well, you got Jacob and Rebecca. You got I or Isaac and Rebecca. You got Jacob and Rachel. And you got Abraham and Sarah, of course. But David's uh, most notable wife is Bathsheba. Um, Bathsheba, because she's called the Queen Mother. Eventually. Mm-hmm. Well, well, see, that's another uh, part of my collection is Bathsheba. She's got nine letters in her name. I got a lot of numerical combinations uh, concerning her. Very interesting, oh. fascinating. I believe that the, the Illuminati corrupted this See, that's from, that's from because they English wanted to cover up something, and that was the significance of Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. uh, because the Bible is telling us that they're going to come back in the future, and somebody doesn't want us to know this. Now, you haven't heard that before, have you? So you're thinking about that for the first time and go, well, I've never heard that before, so therefore it's not true, because... That sounds like it could be pretty important. If it was important, God would want us to know, and I haven't heard anything about it, Dave. Actually, you're proceeding off the assumption that God does not conceal important events that have to do with prophecy. He's done that all through history. I've shown through self-evident facts that God's people, as a general rule, um, they don't understand what God's going to do around the corner. He actually keeps his own people in the dark. There's only a minority that know. And the, the witness of history proves this. When did the Israelites ever know what do what God was going to do around the corner? Can you well, name see, one time? One time. Uh, a Christian, Christian believers in these institutionalized churches, they don't understand the concept of punishment. They always say, well, Satan, he's the one that punished us and this and that. Well, Yahweh allowed him to punish him, but... You know, your creator punishes you too. He's been doing it to his people for thousands of years here. And it's you a prove form what of, I just said to a self-evident fact. Is it true or is it not true? It is a general rule. Every single generation of Christians has made the massive assumption that the second coming is imminent in their generation and the Antichrist is is a, a contemporaneous prophetic figure in their generation. Is it true or is it not true that every generation of Christians has made that massive assumption and they've all been wrong, haven't they? They've all been wrong. So we have the witness of history that they did not know what God was going to do around the corner. You know what God was going to do around the corner? Something that they didn't expect. They had expectations, and they all failed. So this is true. And it's the Bible indicates this as well. 
people well, assume that they know what God's going to do. They're listening to propaganda that has to do with Bible prophecy. They don't know that. It's propaganda. It's called left-behind propaganda, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what people believe, it's left-behind propaganda. Yeah. It's what they have in the, the popular movies and the videos and the uh, all these stars that they roll out there who are actually on a payroll, and they travel around the country, and they have these big conferences that these Christians throng to and believe that they're being enlightened about Bible prophecy. No. You're being programmed in a system of control. You haven't figured out that there's a system of control. Once you figure out there's a system of control, you're going to go hold it here. Wouldn't they be interested in deceiving Christians about Bible prophecy? So you would be highly suspect about all these people on the circuit, you know, the so-called experts. You know, we have names here. I could name names. Guess who they are, folks? The most popular people that you trust. The ones that put out the DVDs and make a career out of selling DVDs, go right down the list. They're on Illuminati payroll. And the reason you don't want to believe that is because you have an emotional attachment to these people and their beliefs, because you incorporate their beliefs. Those are your beliefs. And all uh, the little fables they tell you about the Nephilim, you want to believe those things too because you're curious about the Nephilim. You can't prove these things with the Bible because the information is not there. But you want, I want more information. There's not enough information in Genesis 6. I want to know more. They know that, and they have the Bible prophecy expert just for you. He's going to write a, a trilogy on the Nephilim. And yes, I'm talking about a certain person. We know who that person is. Yeah. He's on a payroll, too. Yeah. Joke's on you. <clears throat> and you're supposed to pay for your programming. Did you know that, White Raven? Oh, absolutely. It's going to cost you money to be programmed. Yeah. But when, when you make an emotional investment in a monetary investment... That's going to secure the programming. You're going to want to believe even more that it's true. Just like when you go to get your indoctrination, you pay $150,000 to go to college. That's going to reinforce that you were told the truth. Otherwise, you paid for a bunch of lies. So you don't want to believe that. That's the awful reality. So therefore, it was all true, right? See how the human mind works? And Alex Assault just posted a comment, and he promised that he doesn't have an emotional attachment to him. (laughs) <laughs> also tasked, that's, a, that's a good one, Alex Assault, per day. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. He's coming up with some pretty witty uh, comments tonight. Well, I'd say that most people are machines of, of flesh that are dominated by their emotional mind. And uh, they don't think, um, they don't even want to think. They don't even make decisions. It's so bad, they don't even get to the point where they make a decision, am I going to think or am I not going to think? They yeah. don't even make they don't even do that. Well they've been trained not to think. To use just follow rationality. Along. Yeah. Just follow along. Do what you're told. Hey listen, Dave, I want you to expound on something, something you were talking about in one of your podcasts about that little baby on the uh, ceremonies at the Olympics. Yeah, that's, that's good because I just want to say before you mention anything that that baby needs to be <laughs> rethought because it can mm-hmm. be the Davidic king or yeah. the child in Micah five three. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that's that's why I want you to expound. Yeah, either one. So or or both. I don't know. Yeah. I used to believe it was the Micah five three child, but Spirit Cleaner says 
In this predictive programming about the Vedic king, they're representing him as a child. And I, I understand why they're doing that. I may not understand the totality, but I grasp it. You know, it, they have this Metatron figure. Are you still there? Or did you drop out? No, I'm still here. They have this Metatron figure in, in, ex, in non-canonical scripture, and they actually refer to him as the youth. Yeah. The youth? The youth. Yeah. Why do they do that? I'm not going to go into that, but that's an interesting okay. subject. Okay, does, okay let's uh, try to uh, speculate here. Do you think there'll be any kind of drama in next year's Super Bowl halftime show? Do you think there'll be anything presented? <laughs> Well, there was last year because Perry was doing the same thing that Madonna did and the same thing (laughs) Beyonce did. They were mocking the Queen of Israel. Of course they were. (laughs) But nobody understood, did they? No. Well, see, first of all, you have to know that this person exists in history Mm -hmm. at some point. Do they know that? No. Well... Obviously, they're not going to be able to decrypt the propaganda, then, are they? They don't, they, don't have the, they don't have the capability or ability to do that. They're mocking their ignorance. That's what they're doing. Of course, yeah. That's what they're good at. I'm going to just say but, something that I've not said before, but if you look at the Pet Go 2 video very quickly, there's a black dot on there that nobody wants to talk about on Google. Dave identified it. This is in the classroom scene where they have the... Uh, the psyops and the false flags listed on the uh, the map of the uh, the eastern half of the United States, right? Because it's showing uh, Oklahoma. There's a black dot in Florida, and it doesn't have to do with the origins of the the pet goat scenario, which is what that video is based on. It has to do with what happened on the day of 9/11, because. Um, this teacher, who we can assume was in on it, um, she was in the classroom with President Bush, and he was reading a book called Pet Goat something. I don't know what the heck, you know. He was actually reading that upside down. Did yeah. you know that? Well, that's, that has to do with Satanism. Reversal. Upside down. It's also, so he wasn't even reading it. How can you read a book upside down? Well, he's telling, the, but they did that deliberately to tell you that this is all staged. Do you understand that? Reading the book upside down to the kids. They want you to know, okay? But see, the thing is, is that once you research, that took place in a Florida city, but the Florida city is on the coastline. That's not, you would assume that that's where the black dot is at. It's not. The black dot is in, it appears to be Orlando, which one is, it's on an exoteric level at least. It's one of the primary centers for mind control programming. Okay, just take that data and set it aside. Nobody's talking about this. Go back and look at the uh, halftime of Katy Perry. Um, it has to do with the black dot in the Pat Go 2 video. I'm absolutely convinced. And it has to do with Florida. I just want to say that. I'm not going to try to prove anything. I'm just saying the correlation. you got to understand, you have got dancing sharks. Now, ask yourself this question. What state in the Union is most identified with sharks? Now, sharks are seasonal. They move up and down the coastline, okay? I'm, not, I, I'm aware of that, but which state are they most identified with? Florida. 
Florida. Well, now you also have, um, you have these um, what do they call them? Those type of trees, you know, the top tropical type of trees. What are those palm called? Tr- palm, palm trees. trees. Which state in the union is most identified with the palm tree? Now you're going to have a quandary: is it California or is it Florida? Florida. Okay. But see, context is determinative, just like in the Bible. So allow the sharks to define uh, what state it is and not the, the... In other words, you have greater clarity with the sharks, and so that's going to tell you that uh, these are uh, Florida palm trees. Did you see okay? the commercial? There, yeah. It's communicating a secret about Florida, and it's also on the cover of the 2015 Economist magazine, which is predicting economic doom. But uh, I plan on talking about this at some point. I mean, I've got show notes for it, but uh, it, it's embedded in there. I'm not going to talk about that now because it's too detailed. I'm just saying there's a correlation there. You see Nissan's new car commercial? I want to say one more thing. Obviously, if if uh, if um, if Katy Perry mm. is is mocking and personifying the Queen, then the Queen has to go to Florida. Whoa, you just hit a nerve stop. there. I'll stop that right now. She's you just gonna, hit a nerve. She's going to visit Florida. Babe, you just hit a nerve, buddy. And this also <laughs> correlates with the fall of the queen, which they're telling you that she's going to fall. And that's the drama that Madonna was acting at. And I'm not just basing on, I'm not I'm not going to base that. Look, let me put it this way. I already believe that there's going to be a fall of the queen before Madonna acted out that drama. I'm not based on that. I already knew. I already believed it. I was absolutely convinced. Dave. Personifies God's people. Hey. And sure enough, she went out there and manufactured a fall that personified the queen. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, my memory just tapped me on the shoulder, and uh, I've thought about this a few times over the uh, last, I don't know, four weeks. But I got some ominous, disturbing news for you. That's pretty hard to disturb me. <laughs> Okay. Well, not just for me, uh, Channing, everybody else might want to listen to this. I had a dream back in June, and I think you might remember me telling you I had a dream that a huge tsunami wave hit Washington State. Do you remember me telling you that? Well, I had the same dream about a month ago. Well, I believe that. And the Illuminati have been telling us for years this is going to happen. I believe it. Okay, but what I'm getting at is what I've told you about my dreams when I have it the third time. It always comes to pass. So uh, you're number six. Now, I've had this dream twice, and there's been a period of time that's elapsed. But if I have it the third time, you know, I might get kind of nervous about it. But what I'm do you standing mean I'm number six? Uh, well, we discussed that privately in another uh, private conversation, if you remember. Oh. I've had, well, I've I'm had dreams. I'm extremely confident that there's going to be a tsunami on the East Coast which there's a lot more predictive programming about, and that's going to happen first. So that will be a warning. Yeah, I, okay. I believe that uh, supposedly, unless they're manufacturing these things, like these stories they manufacture about the Mexican border and what's on the other side, because they do that kind of thing, uh, for conspiracy theorists to uh, to theorize about. But supposedly the military has already make, made significant withdrawals from the uh, the coastlines. But I live here in Tacoma, Washington. We've got one of the biggest military bases in the States. It's called Fort Lewis. 
and this is a very important military base. Fort Lewis. Supposedly, they actually moved the Montauk project to Fort Lewis, and there's, there's actually Clyde. evidence. I actually talked to a guy. He claimed that his father works on the Montauk project in Fort Lewis. Wow. But uh, I don't see any um, movement away from Fort Lewis, but that's what they're telling us. That they're, they're starting to move away from the coastlines because mm-hmm. they know what's coming. Did you see that? What's Did that? you see that? What? Did you see the new the the new Nissan car commercial? The new Nissan car commercial. They 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 get out of the car. They they, they run inside. They got to get something. Then they come back in the car, and uh, there's a there's a mascot sitting in the back of the car waiting for them to go in and get their whatever they're getting or whatever to come back out. And the mascot is the the Georgia. Uh, the Georgia mascot, the Georgia Bulldog mascot for the basketball team or whatever, Georgia Guidestones. Okay, you're trying to make a correlation between the Georgia Guidestones and the mascot of Georgia Bulldogs. You yeah, know, yeah. That's a bit and of a then reach. They, and then the camera zooms in on, on the car commercial just as, as the commercial is closing off where, where they got, you know, some things on, on the side of her, uh, on the passenger door. Uh, you know where people put like CDs or you know uh, or some whatever. They had this uh, this CD or this, uh, something of a zombie. What's this have to do with the Georgia Guidestones? Does it have a correlation? Well, you had you have Jade Helm. That's that's all about Georgia Guidestones. Jade is the is this is the is the stone, and then the 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 helm is the steering wheel to the ship. And he's talking about there's going to be some sort of tidal wave or whatever. Everybody's moving away from the coast or whatever. And you've got the, you got the helm, which is, is, is the steering wheel to the ship. And it's also, it's also the, the, uh, the, it's the guide. The guide stones, jade. Okay, you're stone, making a correlation there. I see it. Okay. Georgia guide stones, mm-hmm. jade helm. It sounds kind of thin, but. Uh... Oh, it's yeah, more. Thick. It's thick. I haven't analyzed more, it, so I don't know. You know. Sounds no. like more manip- manipulation, mind control to me. Do you have any uh, thing to say about what uh, Spirit Cleaner said about the cube, which has to do with the number eight and six? Oh, that's a, from a geometrical perspective. Uh, yeah, I listened to it, but I really, I, I didn't really gather much out of it. He talked about um, the saying we have in America: "86 shoe." 86 oh yeah, feet? I was I worked in the I were uh, yeah I worked in the kitchen before. Yeah, on August sixth. You know what happened on August sixth? Hiroshima. 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 Yeah. August yeah, 9th, Hiroshima uh, is all linked up through a seventy-year period with twenty fifteen, yeah. and that yeah. is one of the initial data points to show you that they believe. Doesn't matter what you believe, they believe. There's something about the year 2015, just like there's something about the year uh, 2012. Now, I've mm-hmm. actually never said this before, but what was the uh, year? We we know that the World War II was started in a, on an esoteric number, number 39. Mm-hmm. Okay? What was the year in World War II that had to do with change? Which year was that? You guys tell me. What year between? 2008. Change. 2008. A shift. A change. A shift. 2008. 2008. 
2012. No, no, this isn't World War II. Choose a year. Bring it to the table. Which year are you going to choose? What, what year? Right. What, what are you talking okay. about? I'm going to think it's I'm simple. Gonna... It's between 39 and 45. Which year is the year of change? 44. Okay. 22. 22. What did, they do? what did they do in 1945? It was a destruction ritual. The king and queen. Hiroshima and Nagasaki, 6 9. Equals 15. <laughs> 15. Channing, which year are you going to choose? Between 39 and 45. I don't think you know that much about World War II. 39 and 45. I don't know. 35. Uh, it's between 39 and 45. World War II started in 1939. You don't know, know, know enough about World War II. If you just go by what the the the, the record of history, um, I thought it was pretty obvious. It's 1942. Now, what I'm saying is that they had all that synced up. This is mind-boggling with 2012, because I have gone into great lengths that there was a shift a change in 2012 that was historically significant, that they created a massive amount of propaganda. It's a cosmic change that the Christian brain can't process. They created all kinds of predictive programming that was false and prophetic expectations that they knew would not come to pass in order to create a great collective sigh from ignorant humanity and said, ah, nothing happened. But something did. This is how they do it, you see. And I've talked about this before and how we could actually feel on an energetic level that something was, was happening. That's why we got suspicious initially and I started investigating. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I know a lot about World War II and I would, I would definitely say it's 1942. And now what, here's what I'm saying. This is where conspiracy speculation gets um, interesting. They actually scripted and manufactured World War II in order to create a shift or change in the tide of the war to sync up with the shift and change in 2012. This is mind-boggling, and it did the same thing with 1945 and linking it up with 2015. And as we look back in history, we'll be more easily able to identify what is going on, because right now we're not sure. But I'll still be talking about this. I don't care if I do the show in October. I'm in no hurry. If nothing explosive happens, doesn't matter to me. I've already said that something is happening right now. They know about it, and we don't. We're trying to figure it out. Because there's too much linkage. They linked up the Gregorian calendar with the blood moons. They linked up this fake Jewish calendar with the blood moons. Why would they do that unless there's something going on? You see, they did this a long time ago. And I believe that there were celestial beings involved, and they know something that we don't. We're stumbling around in the dark trying to figure out. It's not on the YouTube video. You might as well forget it. It's too esoteric. They're mocking us again. And I'm and see, what am I saying? I don't know. I know there's something. I, I can speak in generalities, like there's a beginning. They keep using this green light symbology. It's the start of something. Now, it could start small. It could be a snowball effect. We don't know. I believe we'll be able to figure out as we move past it and look backward. I talked about, I think it was just last night, how um, 
there's been a significant change, if you want to use, I'll use the word awareness instead of consciousness, in the people around me since 2012, and that was actually the expectation that there would be a change in frequency that actually has to do with awareness. And people have actually abandoned a lot of their older prejudices, and guess what? I have too. And you can actually see it on this podcast where I'm opening up because there's a lot of things I just refuse to talk about because I thought they were too esoteric and Christians would, um, would you know, stumble over them. And uh, I got to the point where I, you've got to move on. I can't be held back by these people and their lack of awareness and their superstitions. Educate the people that God has prepared. There's not very many people. And the other people that don't get it, it could just be entertainment, you know. Dave talks about interesting things I've never heard about before. I don't believe in what he says, but um, he's always talking about new, interesting things, you know. I think he's a false prophet. <laughs> I like to listen to the show. <laughs> They're not going to be able to process it, you know. <clears throat> they always assume evil. You know? An evil intent or whatever the heck, you know. They don't understand Oh, many times. So I got to um, sign back in. What happened? I got to sign back in. Okay, when you uh, sign back in, uh, you got any comments about these blood moons? Uh, so-called uh, uh, Shemitah, which has to do with this every seventh year. Mm, I have my suspicions about that. I think that's oh. just more. I think the general principle is there's truth there, and they're trying to cover up things and then get you to believe it's this way, it's this way. That's what they did with 2012. Here's what really happened. You know, because I don't believe these are fake moons. I believe that God has put them there. They're actually portents. Now, here's what I believe. I don't believe that we have sufficient information to understand them because we don't have prophets... Uh, that are qualified. There's, we're so we've lost so much. We can't even figure out what God is doing. You know, in Revelation 12, it says the word portent, or other uh, translations. Most translations will say the word sign, but it's a heavenly sign. You know what I mean? And it may have actually had to do with constellations. I mean, you could easily speculate it had to do with the constellation of Virgo. You know, you know what I'm talking about the woman, globe with the sun. Um, um, that's right, yeah. Virgo? Yeah. I think he had to come out, go out of the chat room. Well, there's all kinds of speculation about that, YouTube. But you know, there's speculation every single year about, you know, how Revelation 12 points to Virgo. That's why, you know, you're going, holy here, man. Virgo. Every, every year they talk about financial collapse, October yeah. surprise, every single autumn, without exception. And they get everybody whipped up. Now, believe it or not, there's actually some basis for that because historically we can actually prove that the most significant things that God did, guess what? They happened during the spring festivals and the autumn festivals. Most Christians don't even know that. That's right. But then you've got all these people, they have absolute certainty about historical dates. You know, this, hor- this historical date happened uh, on this festival. We don't have that kind of knowledge. We're talking about generally speaking. This, this is true. For instance, um, if you were to have a literal second coming, it's actually true that the most likely date 
in the course of a year would probably be Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. It's the most likely day. There are, I mean, these YouTubers are actually right about it. That doesn't mean it's going to happen, but that would be probably the most likely day, yeah. Yay, the YouTubers are right. No. They're making uh, predictions that it's going to come. And they already, that date's already passed, right? Yeah, because we're already, we've already, well, this is the false Jewish calendar. There's there's different false calendars, but we're going with the standard manufactured calendar the Illuminati made for the Judaism. That's what we're going with here. And uh, so Frank mentioned Yom Kippur, and that is the Day of Atonement. <clears throat> and see, somewhat curiously, that occurred on, guess what, folks? You know what day it occurred? White Raven? No, uh, 23rd. 23rd. Yep. And the Pope Everything, was acting, act, er, acting out these esoteric solar rituals. So like ask yourself, do you think that he's to, this has something to do with the Day of Atonement? It's not the genuine Day of Atonement. It's a fake one. It's artificial, manufactured. Yeah, now these calendars, they have to do with the sighting of the moon from Jerusalem. This is what they say. So there's people out there that think that this calendar is genuine and Dave is wrong because they sighted the moon and it's on the right day and no, it's all out of sync. Everything's out of sync. Significantly out of sync. God hid it all and corrupted it all. He stole it away from us. And he's going to restore it. And you can see that in Zechariah 14 where you have a, a feast of uh, tabernacles. It, but it's a new feast. If, you, if people could just get to the point where they realize that there's a new, literal, historic, prophetic exodus, which Christians don't believe in, then understand one more thing. The old festivals are going to be restored. We're based on the first exodus. This is telling you that the Feast of Tabernacles is going to be based on the new exodus. It's not commemorating the old Exodus, it's commemorating the new Exodus. Because that's what they do. They commemorate this great deliverance, which is a form of redemption, and it's actually physical redemption. There's spiritual redemption, there's physical redemption. Zechariah 14 is an indicator, points to that. Very clear. Yeah. Mm. Well, it tells us this in uh, in Jeremiah 16, mm-hmm. where what God was doing, he was reminding the people to look back at the greatest things that he had done, you know, supernaturally, apart from creation itself, was his deliverance of um, of Israel out of Egypt. And so uh, that's the purpose of these festivals. You know, for instance, in the, in the Feast of Booths or Feast of Tabernacles, you were to you know sit outside and uh, under the stars in this little uh, shelter that you made for yourself, and you were commemorating how God's people were traveling. You know what I mean? Yeah, deliverance. And so it says in Jeremiah 16, it says, "However, the days are coming," declares the Lord, "when men will no longer say, quote, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt.' You see that?" Yeah. That's the first exodus. He says they're no longer going to say that. I mean, the Jewish, the Jews, unlike Christians, they're a very ritualistic people. Okay? 
And they would have these little saints, these little cryptic saints, you know, these little idioms that Chris doesn't really understand. They would repeat yeah. them. Okay? That's what we're talking about here. It says that they will no longer say this, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites out, up out of Egypt. But they will say, quote, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them. Now, how many times have I said that that has to do with the diaspora and God scattering his people and gathering them? And when they psyoped us with replacement theology, they took away a future literal exodus because you can't have that in replacement theology. And that's what the church believed no, don't until don't. they started to embrace dispensational propaganda in the 19th century. Because you have to spiritualize it. You can't have a literal gathering. You see that, White Raven? Yeah. You can't have it. Precisely. <laughs> the amillennial belief system cannot make allowance for that. There's no room. It says, for I will restore them to the land I gave their forefathers. Now, how many times do I talk about restoration? And this, that's what all this has to do with in the New Covenant. And it's all future. So they, it's right in your Bible. So they're supposed to commemorate, when Israel's restored, they're supposed to commemorate an event that hasn't even happened yet. And God wants them to basically forget, you know, you know as far as you know, comparatively. Don't, don't think about what God did in the distant past. Think about what he did recently. Because this is greater. This is not going to be an inferior exodus. This is going to be greater. You know what I mean? That's what they're going to commemorate. And so that's what, the, once you understand that the, the festivals were based, were, were designed to commemorate the first exodus, it follows by necessity, basically, that these um, the new festivals will commemorate the new exodus. It's so, by default. <laughs> the Christians okay. just don't believe it. See, no. once you establish theological propaganda, uh, like replacement theology, you're not going to have a tradition about a new exodus, because it's not compatible with the codified Christian belief. It, it doesn't make allowance for it. So they stole it away from you. But you know what they did? They stole every single Bible prophecy in the Old Testament away from God's people. And you know how they did that? They said, well, it actually refers to you. Doesn't that make you feel good? It doesn't refer to Israel. You're the church, and all Bible prophecy yeah. is fulfilled through you. Doesn't that mm -hmm. make you feel good? This is a little satanic yeah. psyop. Doesn't that make you feel good about the church? You're in this big club. It's all fulfilled to Christians. But guess what? They spiritualized all the events, White Raven. That's how they, 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 they made you believe. It's a magician's trick. All these things are fulfilled through you in the body of Christ. But guess what? They spiritualized them. They're not historical events. People have not even recognized this. And then when they created dispensational propaganda in the 19th century to replace it, and this is what Christians believe today, they stole it again because they said, well, it doesn't have to do with you. It has to do with the, uh, the restoration of Israel. And you're the church because they created a false dichotomy between a physical Israel and the Gentile-dominated church. So again... They stole all the prophecies away from you. See how they did that? You want to thank the Illuminati for being such satanic geniuses. They did a good job. Did you, did you know? I'm sorry, buddy. You know why? Because they're a lot smarter than you. A lot smarter than you. The Gentiles, uh, when it's referred to in the old text, as pagans. <laughs> well, yeah, in certain contexts they are. Yeah, they're actually I mean. non-Israelites and Israelites. 
It depends on the context. Uh, you have to be careful when you're discerning the word Gentile, because you can apply that to uh, certain context that uh, puts it out of context. You have to be careful with that. Yeah, it can be either or. Either or, yeah. Uh, for a minute, Dave, uh, I'm curious because uh, what you said earlier, I'd like for you to go back and talk about, you were talking about the palm branches. Yeah, in, some, in, the, some, in the Katy Perry uh, halftime Super Bowl extravaganza. Uh-huh. Well, you said some women. Uh, now, they actually represent, I'm absolutely certain about this. You ready? Um, ejaculating phalluses. It's all sexual. I've broken it down. Now, in order to pull that one off, you have to understand the importance of green symbology. Christians don't understand symbology at all when it comes to colors. The closest they'll ever get is understanding a few rudimentary things like, what's the purpose of white in the book of Revelation? What does the color gold mean? And the color purple, if you're really going to get esoteric, that has to do with royalty. It's right in my Bible. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be talking on a future show about the significance of the color gray and how pink is a very esoteric number that actually has to do with the secret goddess that we talk about. Oh, yes. Because, see, pink is not in the, uh, the spectrum of the rainbow. So it's an esoteric color, just like gray. Uh, you know, the, Illuminati is, the Illuminati, remember that little girl? That, the, I mean, just a second, Shani. Remember the little girl that was being foisted up and the guy was uh, like uh, diddling her with his middle finger and her derriere? Yeah. This is a little girl, maybe like seven or younger. Yeah. And she's being held up to the Pope. She was dressed in gray. Yeah, they were all... I'm saying now she represents the little girl in the Pet Go 2 video. It's the same old, they're doing the same thing over and over again. And there's a reason why they dressed her in gray. Yes, now, is it true or is it not true that Dave talks about the gray goddess? Pink. Just a uh, second, Channing. Did you know, you probably didn't notice, that in the, in the, uh, the, op- the first episode of the uh, TV series V, which you and I both watched, and I took notes through that entire episode so we can do a podcast on it, the authoritative matriarchal figure there, they're telling you the same thing that I talked about last night. The aliens are coming, and who's ruling them? A woman. Now, what have I been saying over and over again? Now, it doesn't matter what kind of evidence you lay out on the table. Both men and women will refuse, unless there's a feminist, to believe that there's a, a dark celestial female being that's running the show and actually ruling her consort like the woman rides the beast. There's no way to prove this wrong. It would be a judgment against basically the devil. The devil has a consort. I'm just saying that she rules over him. And this is actually, her rulership is actually reflected in male and female relationships in America. And she is the personification of America. And America is a reflection of her. And American women, somewhat curiously, who are the most psyoped, socially engineered uh, females in the history of the world, they actually are little personifications of her. And uh, if you've been married to one, if you've been married to one of these women, then uh, you might actually agree with me. Go ahead. Ever heard the term "pink as the new black"? Yeah, that is a, a term created by one of their think tanks. It's esoteric. Hmm. Black represents her consort, but it can refer to her also in certain contexts. She has a number of primary colors. 
The chief one is esoteric as well, and that's orange. The average person draws a complete blank when it comes to orange. Okay, back to the ejaculating palm trees. Oh, boy. Abe is saying that the leaves actually represent male ejaculation. Okay? Because the woman is going to be impregnated, and this is prophesied in Micah 5.3. She's going to have sex. Okay? And they're mocking all this. And uh, you have to go back and look at that and look at through the lens of uh, a sexual ritual. Okay? And um, anyway, those sharks, by the way, relate to the shark. See, there's evidence for this. Is it true or is it not true that there is a threatening shark to the east of um, the eastern seaboard on the Petco 2 video in the classroom? Is that true or is it not true? All this stuff is correlated, man. They know what they're doing. Now, you got to look up... Um, a secondary meaning of the word shark, but it basically it's a threat. And it also threatens the, the guy who represents the king with a dunce cap on his head. And that's the king because it says he's got a D there. They're calling him a dunce. They're mocking him. It's all mockery through the entire video. But anyway, okay, so back to color symbology. Now, um, take the take the color white, which is obvious, and set that aside. Now, we have all other available colors to represent human sperm. So I'm going to put you guys to the to test again. Which color are you going to use besides the color white to represent sperm? You can choose any color you want. Who wants to go first? Which color do you want to use to represent sperm? Clear. I'll say cream. Well, it's got to be, uh, let's don't go with clear. Um, let's go with, a, you know, the regular colors that we have. I mean, if you want to go with pink or gray, that's fine. But we don't consider, you know, clear or cream is just a variation of white. You know what I mean? So I'm talking about a significant category that's just distinguishable. Oh, pink. You might, you might, you might draw a blank. Pink. I've actually already told you. I'll say Yellow. Which color are you going to go with, Channing? Um, Actually, I already told you, but go ahead. Purple. Okay, ask yourself this question. What does human sperm produce? A baby. This is, yes. <laughs> I'm life. talking about something, yeah, to go life. Something that's not so obvious. Now, go. let's go back to the colors. The Illuminati uses the same color symbology as the Bible. And which color in the spectrum, or outside of the spectrum, because there's other minor colors like pink and gray, represents life? Not hard. Well, they all represent light. No, life. Oh, life. Life. Got to go with white. What's that? Which I'll color? Say what? These are these are major, just basic colors. Represents life symbolically. Uh, symbolically, mm, you got me on Red. this one. I don't have. I don't know. Red. That one blood is, the life is in the blood. Red. Nice, nice try, but um, <clears throat> that's not bad. Okay, but the thing is, it's not the blood; it's the life. That's what we're talking about. It's the color green. See that? 
and oh, see it, it's yeah, obvious. that's wrath. Yeah. So that is why they chose to represent these ejaculations with the color green. And they thought all this stuff out, and they decided to disguise it. It's really brilliant because they disguise, decided to disguise it as palm trees and then associate it with uh, Florida and the Go to video and what's going to happen to the woman and impregnation, and that's just starters. Go watch the sharks and watch it over and over again and see what you come up with. <clears throat> They're the ones that impregnate her, by the way. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Anyway, that's enough of that. Everything represents something. Everything she does is unbelievable. And what she turns this way, turns that way. What do they move this way, move that way? It starts off with the color orange, by the way, and um, they show it visually from above, and they're telling you that this has to do with sex. Now, the average person, he doesn't even know that the primary color that has to do with sex is the color orange. I've talked about this before. And this uh, this is her color, and uh, Halloween has to do with... Um, orange and black. Her and her consort. He's represented by black. That's why they call it the black sun. There's no such thing as the black sun. There's a dark sun. There's an esoteric sun, but it's not black. It's actually brownish red. A Same black color sun. as the moon. These are two secret celestial objects that they have concealed. They have the ability to do that. We actually have evidential proof. Uh, I, I should put this in the show notes because I meant to do it earlier, but I forgot. The people used to believe in dark stars right up until the 20th century. And all of a sudden, when we have this advancement in science, which is actually largely propaganda, all of a sudden we don't believe in dark stars anymore. Isn't that curious? The people, you know why? Because they were they were being sighted. How does that work? Because they passed in front of other objects like the moon and people would record it historically and they were called a dark star. This is the true explanation for eclipses. Look, at once you figure out that they lied to you on a massive scale about heliocentric cosmology, you're not supposed to believe anything they tell you. Actually, you know, what they tell you about eclipses, well, that won't work anymore. You see, because the Earth is supposed to be in between two objects. That's supposed to be the shadow of the Earth. That's a lie. They lied to you. That only works in a heliocentric cosmology, if it was to work at all. I don't think it would even work in that cosmology. So now, they don't want you to know the true nature of the eclipse. And I'm saying it's caused by this um, dark sun and dark moon, and that's why it's so important to them in their black sun symbology, because it represents something sacred, the blocking of the sun, which has to do with the Son of God and or Adam, depending on how it's represented. And the Christian brain can't process that because they don't think Adam is very important. Did you know, White Raven, the Christians are so stupid, they're still trying to figure out whether Adam went to hell or not? <laughs> I've had okay. people ask me that. Did Adam go to hell? My second favorite book of all time. What? Who's that uh, 
Rabbi Finkelstein? <laughs> uh, it sounds like him. The Bible! The Bible. I love the Bible. Uh, Frank, is it, does, isn't it, are, are they saying in the media that orange is the new black? Isn't, isn't that out there? I think it is. They're saying orange is the new black. Yeah. Does have to do with the TV show or something like that? See, that's all esoteric. Yeah, I just came across that on a website not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it's a television series, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know. Now, what they're telling us is the same thing over and over again, that the goddess has replaced the dark god. You see that? What have I, what have I been saying over and over again? That she was elevated in the hierarchy. She rules over him. It's actually her consort. She dominates him, and this is what they're communicating in the BDSM culture, which comes from her. She's a dominatrix. Okay, now I get it. That culture is an extension of her. She basically manufactured it to communicate her rule esoterically because nobody's getting it. And people say, Dave, you're a pervert. What do you think about stuff like that there, Dave? Well, <laughs> it doesn't have to do with sex. It has to do with authority, subordination. Sex is all secondary. Um... So I was going to say also earlier that uh, I believe that they had a solar calendar uh, originally, and you'll see this not just in the uh, Book of Enoch, but also um, in the uh, the Book of Jubilees, which is what they call the Little Genesis, you know? Now, the, those two uh, books were represented quite well in the Dead Sea Scrolls, so... Good book, the people believe. community believed that those two books were important, and they're talking about a solar calendar. And I believe that the um, the Jews derived their their lunar calendar from uh, the Babylonians. But scholars say that um, I would think this is true. That they're they're certain that the the, the Babylonians had a, uh, a lunar Okay. I was going to ask you, what do you think, of, uh, let, let's, before we go to quantum mathematics, um, so what do you think about um, the longitudes and the 19.5 uh, phenomena, if you're familiar with it? You know, they have all these events that are on the third parallel, which I just mentioned earlier, and supposedly yeah. also in the 19.5 parallel. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, um, that that's going to hold up on a, on a outside of a perfectly spherical Earth? It would still stand up? Or would everything collapse? Yeah, collapse. That's what I said. Mm. That's what I thought. Uh, David Colham thought it would, if I understood him correctly, he thought that it would still be valid. I was kind of puzzled by that. Uh, what do you think about um, propaganda in relationship to, uh, you know, quantum mathematics, theoretical mathematics? You would agree with me that they can insert propaganda there, and it's so far over your head that you can't even tell. Oh, it's in mass quantity. I don't even pay attention to it. Interesting. Yeah. 
Well, it's an opportunity that's available for them, and uh, historically they've shown a tendency that if, you know, if the, if the opportunity is there and if they're not impeded, then they're going to take advantage of it across the board, right? Mm-hmm. So the average person, my understanding is that only like three, four, or five people, I'm not trying to say that, you know, Einstein's theory of relativity is, relativity is true, but as far as just, you know, wrapping your head around it, at some significant level, there's only a handful of people at any given time that can even do that. And uh, so, I mean, you know, that generally is true. And we can't understand this theoretical mathematics. And so it becomes a vehicle for propaganda. The US, I just saw a video where they had the, uh, I just saw a video where they got this new concrete now. New concrete that can absorb 880 gallons of water a minute. 880? They're throwing around a number there. 880. They like to use the number 888, so it relates to that. No, it was poured out of a cement truck, and that's how many gallons that the cement actually absorbed. It's a new kind of concrete that they have that, that absorbs water. I hope this has something to do with what we're talking about. I'm assuming it has to do with the number 88. 88, yeah. Isn't that supposed to be Hitler's number or whatever? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Which Hitler are you talking about? There's more than one. Nazi Germany, Hitler. Let me ask you, uh, White Raven, do you hold to the theory that um, they yanked Hitler um, in a significantly earlier period than what we're commonly told in these conspiracy theories. You know, the Hitler evacuated like a few days or weeks before what we were told. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. How, how, how far back do you think it was? Some people say back in 42. Uh, I'd say uh, from my research, I gather it was long before April of 1945. Nobody knows exactly when. Yeah, I don't have a clue. Yeah. No. There's, but you look at they take out two dead bodies that just got shot, they pour gas on them, and then that was it. Then the Russians got a piece of his skull, and they, they claim that uh, they you know got Hitler. Well, see, that's all propaganda right there. You're not going to trust anything. They say that he went to Indonesia. People say yeah, he went I, to Indonesia. I heard that, too. I think he went to South America. That's, well, the that's common theory is he went to South America, and they restructured him somehow. Well, I heard that. I think oh, that's oh, probably oh. propaganda. That 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 Hitler is Obama's uh, uh, son or, or father. See what, what they never tell. Let's let's stop here and think about it. That's what I heard. Okay? I I don't want to create apologetic for people that are unfamiliar with this that the apex of civilization is below our feet. But if they have high technology and they want to use it on a significant level, they can't put it on the surface. They have to put it below your feet. So ask yourself this question. How many times have you heard theories about whether a significant historical figure has died or whether he hasn't or whether that happened, and he actually went down into a subterranean civilization? Can you name me one time when you heard that theory? Never heard of that. Now, the reason I point that out is because the... Only with him. The fact that that's never mentioned is telling you that a lot of this stuff is propaganda, it's just, you know, if you're not going to believe what you're told, then we're going to give an alternative theory for you. Well, he went to Indonesia or he went to South America. I'm saying it's just as likely that he went down into what I call subterranea, because that's where they go. 
Yeah, they had FBI leak files about this. You know what happens? You, it's called the golden carrot principle. You get rewarded for a job well done. And they, your whole life, it, you're carrying out explicit obedience to orders in order to get, attain the golden carrot. Now, what is the golden carrot? A life extension. They have the technology. They have alchemical elixirs for different levels of hierarchy. If you qualify, you get a better elixir, and they extend your life. Now, they have the ability to do this kind of thing. So if you want to think this is all theoretical, that's fine. You can't disprove any of it. But this is what I believe, and it makes perfect common sense to me if you look at the big picture. It's a system of reward. I've said, you know, perks and punishments. They have rewards out there. You know, if you serve well, and that can be a reward well. If you put on a good act, you know, from... um, the early 30s up to uh, 1942, they said, we're going to yank you, and we'll replace you with somebody else, and uh, Angela, give you a reward. We'll give you a reward. Angela, Angela Merkel is Hitler's daughter. Okay. Angela Merkel? Where'd you hear about that? Know who Angela Merkel is? I've heard of Merkel. It's an important name. Chancellor uh-huh. of Germany. There's so much yeah. propaganda about Hitler and Nazism. It just it's never ending propaganda. She, she's the daughter of him because uh, I have a picture of uh, Netanyahu next to her, and he's pointing his finger like like this, and there, he's casting a shadow uh, of a mustache uh, shadow on on her on her, underneath her nose. Uh, what's the uh, what's the wife of? Uh... Uh, George Bush Sr. again. What's what's her what's her name again? Barbara Barbara Bush. Barbara. I wanted to say Betty. I think Betty Ford. I'm sure you guys have heard about the uh, conspiracy theory that she's supposed to be the daughter of Aleister Crowley. I've heard that. Yeah. I don't really have an opinion on that, but it sounds like something they would just make up. Yeah, that sounds like more magician work to me. There's no way to prove that. I don't think. No. There's indications that it could be true because of timing. Mm-hmm. There's no way to, there's not enough evidence to prove it. And they, then they roll out her picture. They make her look really evil, and they try. They put a picture of Crowley next to her, and they go, "See the comparison." What do you guys think about these uh, pictures they roll out on YouTube about trying to say that this famous Hollywood actor actually was alive back in 1897? Look at the comparison <laughs> photos. I saw yeah. that uh, John Travolta, Jay Z, and all that. Yeah, yeah. No. Let me ask Frank what he mm. about that. He's in that kind of thing. You still alive? No. Just a distraction. No, I think it's just lookalikes. He's in the uh, Dallas Gold Buggery. <laughs> okay. What do you think about those, uh, Frank? What do you think about those photos? Those comparisons? Now, i got to say, I mean, there, there could be something going on there. Um, do you believe that those uh, Hollywood movie stars or those famous people were actually there in the 19th century based on those photos? Do you think there's any credibility? you think that's all disinfo or what? Like yes or no? Uh, it's disinfo. Ever thought about that? I haven't really thought about it, but it just sounds like another perpetrated idea. Eh? Yeah, well, he's he says he doesn't know, but yeah, the conspirators have uh, he calls them perpetrators. They have long lives. 
Because they have yeah. the ability to um, extend human life. So why wouldn't they do it? Obviously, yeah. The best thing you can do is not even paying attention, pay attention to what they're doing, what they're putting out through the airwaves and through the media, because they want you to pay attention to it. So once you do that, you're falling right into a trap. Well, do you have any comments about um, about phi or the golden mean or the golden ratio that you find in uh, sacred geometry? Anything you want to say about that? Uh, nope. Okay, maybe save that for another show. Your energy uh, levels have to be deteriorating because you're on the East Coast. And it's well, actually, I'm getting, I'm getting kind of tired, man. Yeah. Well, I've we can wrap this up. Um, one more question. What do you think is God's most important number? All numbers. You don't think there's a singular number that's most important? Qualitative? Mm. Preeminent? Not Four? in particular. Four? I would think it would be seven. Four is very important, by the way. Four is very. Four is a very. Another number that's um, underestimated is number thirty. You see the number thirty a lot. In, for instance, um, Adam did not have a child. He didn't have Seth until he was one hundred and thirty, and he died when he was nine hundred thirty. Yeah, nine hundred. See the number thirty having to do with Abraham. Abraham had to wait 30 years for the promise of Isaac to come to pass. Imagine having to wait 30 years. Yeah, 30 years. No sex for 130 years? That's what the rabbis say. Uh, I'm just saying this for comical purposes, but this is not all rabbis, but there's a significant amount of rabbis out there that actually say, because they have a different view about sex. They don't have all these hang-ups like Christians. So they can talk about things that we don't talk about. But they actually say, that uh, Adam was masturbating for 130 years. Oh, got a laugh track? You got a laugh track, anybody? Oh my gosh, <laughs> Channing, can we? Can you add a laugh track to this later? Can you edit that in? <laughs> yeah, that'd be a nice thing. Greater quality podcast around here. We'll let everybody know we're <laughs> motivated to do that. Well, we'll let you go there, uh, White Raven. All right, thanks, Dave, for inviting me. I enjoyed the conversation, man. Okay. Uh, Frank says uh, sex only results in conception on a few days each month. Uh, that would be true. Right? Yep, that's biologically true as far as we know. <laughs> the Egyptians, they didn't need birth control, right? They just knew when was the right time to, you know, they didn't have Trojan condoms or anything like that. They knew uh, when Prostitutes to... in the ancient world, they used um, certain herbs that had sufficient toxicity to serve as birth control. And it's interesting because Dave, the Dave, knowledge, night, knowledge about that up. is basically lost. Go ahead. Dave, have a good night, man. I'm going to go, man. Yeah, take care, man. All right, take care. it easy. Yeah. You mean like wild yam root? I'm not actually sure what the herbs are. There are herbs associated with fertility like the mandrake root, and there's... Um, Long-established traditions about Mandrake, and you actually see uh, that in the story of uh, Rachel and Leah and uh, Fenugreek, Jacob, that they had knowledge about the Mandrake that uh, Christian women don't have because um, they've been offered pharmaceutical drugs as a replacement after World War II. And um, before that time... 
all through history, there were traditions, uh, wisdom traditions that were passed down from mother to daughter, and they're largely gone. If you've ever heard Lisa talk about the unbelievable knowledge that her grandmother had, that's evidence for it right there. It's unbelievable, completely off the charts. She was very privileged to have um, a grandmother like that. But women today, they don't they don't have that knowledge. It's all gone. Uh, if anyone does, um, we're suspicious of them that they're practicing witchcraft or their new age. Huh. This is true. Yeah. That's the scion. Well, I'm going to close this because uh, I don't want these big, long podcasts because it's hard for people to get through them. So, uh, Can you do uh, on here a regular? I need a break. I've been on here too much. And, and by the way, um, there's people out there that are waiting for Dave to do something, like for them at their end. And uh, the reason I can is because I'm talking too much every day. And there's people calling me up, and I don't get anything done. I'm supposed to do a podcast with uh, Frank about um, omniscience. No, omnipotence. I haven't forgotten. I think oh. we're supposed to do another podcast too. Can you do a hu- a humor podcast uh, on Friday nights uh, uh, when it comes to political talk? Every time that you and I dialogue, it's humorous. It's conspiracy humor. Well, I mean, I have that as a hashtag uh, for po- politics, uh, and you know, there's people that really take politics to the heart. Yeah, Frank, the latter part of uh, September is a bad month. Um, Unstall Media contacted me on... Uh, what's that little program they have? I forget. He was asking about McKelzik. It's good that there's people coming over from a fakeologist. And he's not a Christian, but he's kind of... um. He's interested, you know. I was thinking that, um, you know, because we don't evangelize on here, but you can actually attract people um, through all the conspiracy stuff that we talk about and then evangelize. You know, why is Dave so interested in religion? What is there about religion? Because Dave's a pretty smart guy. How could he be fooled by religion? Because I thought religion was just created by the Illuminati. Uh-huh. Maybe there's something more to it, huh? Dave claims that he has a relationship with the Creator. But he's the last person that should be talking about how everyone's delusional. I've said I'm delusional too. But I still claim that I have a relationship with the Creator. So you guys can process that until we return again, which may actually be tomorrow night. Because we're doing lots of audio, but the audio is not all up. Because we have to edit some of it, right? Yeah. And Channing's going to create some bumper music for the uh, Seven Star Secret Sun podcast. We're working on that. We've got to split the file in half. So I had it up there for a while, but I, I had to hide it because I don't want too many people download it. We're going to add uh, bumper music to it. Yep. So I want you to know, Channing, that I was obsessing over bumper music, particularly one song, Should I or Shouldn't I? It's a blues song from John Miles' Blues Breakers. Oh. If you don't hear it, it's because we couldn't fit three songs on one side or because I changed my mind, but I don't think I'm going to change my mind. So anyway, my favorite guitarist is Mick Taylor. He started off with John Miles' Blues Breakers. They used to have uh, Eric Clapton in there. And um, they also had, 
um, the bassist for Fleetwood Mac. They also had the guitarist for the early Fleetwood Mac. And so John Miles Bluesbreakers, back in 65 through 67, they were like a super group, man. Most people never even heard of them. And... uh, I guess, you know, after Brian Jones died in the Rolling Stones, guess who replaced him in the Rolling Stones? It was Mick Taylor, and he was a uh, child protege, basically, (laughs) as a guitarist. I think he was mainly, maybe only like 16 or 17 when he was playing for John Mayall. But the guy is an absolutely unbelievably gifted blues guitarist. And he could play circles around Keith Richards. I'm not exaggerating, and Keith Richards knew it, and he uh, kind of had an ego problem with him. I think that's one of the reasons why um, he exited the Rolling Stones. But uh, he never joined a band after that, and he kind of fell off the map. But it's really hard to play. Anybody that knows anything about the Rolling Stones, without question, they say that their best period uh, was when uh, Mick Taylor was the guitarist. There you go. So here's a little music trivia for you. All right, we'll shut this down, guys. Thanks for showing up. All right. Goodbye, Frank. We love you, man. Thanks for showing up.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.